I'm Jessica Denson, and this is Lights On. The Manhattan DA is meeting with state and federal law enforcement to prepare for an indictment of Donald Trump as early as next week for crimes related to his 2016 NDA payment to adult film actress Stormy Daniels. All signs indicate that the 45th president of the United States, a man whose presidency was the greatest aberration in American history, the most destructive, the most criminal, will finally, for the first time, but almost certainly not the last, be criminally indicted in the days ahead. And this news comes remarkably on the same day we learn that Donald Trump's BFF, his best fascist friend, Vladimir Putin, has a warrant out for his arrest from the International Criminal Court in The Hague for overseeing the abduction of Ukrainian children. At least 6,000 Ukrainian children have reportedly be been deported from their home country, many after witnessing the murders of their families to be indoctrinated in Putin's Russia. The long streak of impunity for dictators around the world is coming coming to an end, and we are here for it. Now, I've been fighting against this impunity since 2017 when I stepped aside from my career as an artist and actress and addressed this, this misled, ignorant diversion into politics that I took working for the Trump campaign. In 2017, I first filed a human rights lawsuit against Donald Trump's presidential campaign. And I know, I know firsthand how these tyrants try to weaponize the legal system and evade the rule of law. They have been fighting a legal war of attrition with me for years. And let me tell you, they failed. They failed big time. In the end, I defeated and killed their illegal NDA. So I know something about the oppressive uh, tactics that Donald Trump tries to use, the way he tries to manipulate the legal system, and I know how to beat them. Now, I know and you know that as soon as these these indictments drop against Donald Trump, um, that him and his mouthpieces are going to try to shift the narrative. He's going to play the victim. He's going to call it a witch hunt. He, of course, already has. He's going to say it's political prosecution. Of course, it's none of these things. And it is vital. It's so, so vital that we correct these lies, correct these narratives, and make this distinction because there are people around the world who are the victims of political prosecution. How dare he compare himself to these real heroes and leaders who are putting themselves on the line, their freedom on the line, their lives on the line to shine light on the oppression of tyrants like Donald Trump like Vladimir Putin, um, like I said, they are the real political prisoners. One of them um, had his sham trial started this week. He's somebody who I am always thinking of and praying for, and his name is Vladimir Karamurza. I wanna shine a light on Vladimir Karamurza in this first episode of Lights On. So welcome, <laughs> welcome to this live episode. I am so excited. I am Jessica Denson, I'm here with my friend, Midas Touch founder, uh, Ben Mycellus. Ben, we are on the brink of history. What a day to launch this first live episode of Lights On. And who better to launch it than you, Jessica Denson, because you've showed the path here of how you take on Donald Trump. And look, this is what I've always said. This was always my theory about Donald Trump. Donald Trump is ultimately a coward at the end. He huffs and he puffs and says, I'm going to blow your house down. And that scares off 
so many people, but it didn't scare off you. One of the ways I refined that theory is actually looking at your case because when you started, you filed the lawsuit pro bono. You didn't have lawyers. You didn't have a legal team. Eventually, you pro built se, the team. Right? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You did a pro se, rather. Yeah, you did a pro se. You, fi you filed it on your own. And it was an incredible path that you paved. You could probably represent a lot of people pro bono now based on the <laughs> skills that you learned, but, but really an incredible thing that you did. And you managed to bring this into federal court. You, he threw all his tactics at you and he tried to suppress your voice and you showed what you can do to stand up to it. So much so that Donald Trump's NDA is now not enforceable at all because of the work that you've done. And I think a lot of people, including the Manhattan District Attorney's Office and others have looked to you and they said, look at what Jessica Denson did. And, and we have the power of thousands of lawyers. And if she's able to do it, what are we doing? So thank you for giving everybody strength. Thank you for giving everybody a voice. But as we reach this historical milestone, right, it's not a matter anymore of if Donald Trump is going to be indicted. Notice how that's changed. And now it's a matter of when, when. So I really want to talk about that. So let's just get right into this new podcast. And by the way, let's say one more thing before we get into it fully. There are so many people who have said, Jessica needs a podcast. Jessica should get a full show on the Midas Touch Network. There wouldn't be a single day that passed when I didn't hear that that needed to happen. And you know, I'm so honored to have you launch your own podcast on this network. Your perspective is a needed one here on the network. So welcome to the Midas Touch Network. Thank you so much, Ben. Thank you so much. And and we're going to uh, we're gonna we're gonna wrap back around at the end of this episode and really really bring the viewers into a little bit of that legal journey and how I was able to um, how I was able to defeat this NDA and defeat. The Trump's war of attrition. It's really a legal war of attrition that they played with me. But um, bringing it back to the prosecutors, I'm I'm so happy. I, as you said, my actions may have been an inspiration. I absolutely hope so. That is what I have wanted more than anything is for my victories and through my persistence in in the legal system to be an example of what is possible. There's been so much hesitation, so much reluctance to to bring charges forward, so much fear. About about what the fallout may be, and here we are on the brink. So today we learn the Manhattan DA has asked for a meeting with law enforcement to quote, discuss logistics for some time next week, which would mean that they are anticipating an indictment next week. Um, they already, security assessments and um, plans are being made for Trump possibly traveling to Manhattan criminal court to face charges in connection with the hush, hush money payment to Stormy Daniels. Um, Manhattan criminal court is right, right down there in lower Manhattan. I've spent a lot of time in that triangle of courthouses from New York Superior Court, which is the trial level court uh, where I first brought my human rights lawsuit We've got the federal court, two federal courts right next to it. The criminal courts right down the street. Um, this is this is this is big. Uh, there's local, state, federal agencies involved: NYPD, New York State court officers, the U.S. Secret Service, the FBI's Joint Terrorism Task Force, and of course the Manhattan DA who has who has uh, conjured this meeting. But you know, you think about this, Ben. Um, why why do we have to do this? 
we have to do this because Donald Trump has incited violence. He has riled up his base um, to to come to his defense, to think of him as the victim when he has victimized so many people. He has victimized the free world. He has victimized our country and the millions of people that voted against him. He has victimized his own supporters. He sent multiple of his own supporters to their deaths on January 6th. And he tries to use he still tries to play the victim card. And because of that, is going to try to probably, and that's what these preparations are all about, rile people up and and possibly incite violence. So um, we're in the preparation stages, very wise and needed preparation preparation stages. I've 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 um long thought that prosecutors have been afraid of this moment and I've long thought that we just have to face it. So I'm so glad to see that the necessary precautions are being taken to prepare for this moment that we're finally arriving at. Well, look, we have the right people who are running government now, fortunately, at the federal level and at the level of uh, the, the state in New York with uh, Governor Hochul, that that, that that exists. I mean, just think about it. Part of the issue regarding the January 6th insurrection is not only did Donald Trump cause it to take place, but he wouldn't provide the, the resources to, to stop it. Also, how about Alvin Bragg? How about Alvin Bragg? Because we had Alvin Bragg on the Midas Touch Network, Karen Friedman Agnifilo, who co-hosts Legal AF. She was the number two deputy in all of the Manhattan District Attorney's Office. She did an interview with Alvin Bragg. So she basically ran the office under Cy Vance. So she knows a thing or two. That's why we try to bring people here in the Midas Touch Network, just the data. But because the media pushes all of these narratives and a lot of a narrative that was very anti-Alvin Bragg, it was a very tough one for me to give the view that I thought Alvin Bragg was going to be the first to criminally indict. And, you know, if you watch on the Midas Touch Network, we we've said that and we reflected that even when Alvin Bragg uh, had the situation where two of the other prosecutors under Cy Vance suddenly resigned. And we just said, look, here's what Alvin Bragg is saying. Here's what the data shows is actually taking place especially when the grand jury um, was finally impaneled. That's not a special grand jury like exists in Georgia. It's a grand jury with the power to indict. When we saw the witnesses showing up, when we saw Alvin Bragg get a win in the felony conviction of the Trump organization, all the data, all the signs pointed in this direction. Yet when I had Alvin Bragg on the show, when, when, when Karen Friedman Agnifilo was interviewing him, Jessica, I got to tell you, the comments were so anti-Alvin Bragg. And, and here's what I said to everybody. I said, I totally get it. Because when Pomerantz and Dunn resigned, the prosecutors under Cy Vance, it was like somebody ripping a piece of us because we thought we were so close to getting justice. We democracy. And it was like, no, why would you do that? But I said, and you know this more than anybody, too, based on the duration of your litigation. Litigation, unfortunately, takes time, time for anybody. So the timing, while frustrating, didn't shock me, especially when we're dealing with a, a former president who is mutilating our Constitution 
to defend these positions. And so, I don't know, was it surprising to you that it was taking that time? Are you surprised that it's Alvin Bragg? Where were you in the Alvin Bragg camp of supporting, you know, skeptical? Where were you? Well, I think we have to level a due amount of criticism on Cybance, right? For not wrapping up at least the financial, because we're not even we're not even looking at an indictment right now for the financial crimes under Manhattan DA. We're looking at this other issue that, which is the hush money payment. Um, and and before anybody blames Alvin Bragg, maybe you know take a critical eye at Cybance for not taking care of that before he left office. But I first of all. You know, massive credit to you, Ben, for being ahead of this. And yes, you have been predicting for a long time that Alvin Bragg would be the first to indict. I have tended to, um, maybe it's just because I'm, you know, it's kind of like this, uh, <laughs> you know, female empowerment side of me that wants to see Fonnie Willis. And, and having been so appreciative of Fonnie Willis's um, kind of fearless approach to, to the Fulton County um, investigation, I have kind of lean towards expecting her being to be the first to indict. But I I can completely respect the taking of time to get through the legal process and wanting to, you know, dot the t dot the I's, cross the T's, make sure that you have all of your ducks in a row. It is so critically important, especially for the gravity of these these charges that are about to be brought, the history that's about to be made in Donald Trump being the first former American president ever to be indicted for a crime. So um, if he takes this first step, kudos to him. I'm glad he got here. I happen to be of the opinion, and this is why I have tried to raise my voice as much as possible in getting the public to understand why charges criminal charges for Trump are so vital to protecting our democracy, why this impunity has to end and keeping the, the public pressure on prosecutors. I happen to think that Alvin Bragg, that his moving forward with this hush money case is a result of a shift in public narrative. I mean, you, the Midas Touch viewers that are watching now know that I was on the January 6 panels, um, most of them that we had here on the Midas Touch Network. And those January 6 hearings were something like we've never seen. They moved the public opinion on whether Donald Trump should be charged. It, it was the discussions that we were having um, were so, so different before the public got exposed to his criminality as it related to January 6th. And I think that all of this you know, I can think back to when I was trying to decide whether or not to file my initial lawsuit against the Trump campaign and how much hesitation and fear I had. And I remember hearing others, this happened to be 2017. It was the Me Too movement. It, I was hearing all of these stories of these courageous people coming forward, telling telling these stories that they had been afraid to tell before. I remember watching um, the Scientology documentary about coming out of that cult and all these all these stories of people overcoming oppression and speaking up, you better believe that hearing those stories of other people, courageous people who were, were willing to, to step forward and speak out, gave me courage and inspired me. You better believe it. So I happen to think that this, this amassing of a narrative and this, this 
just bringing into relief the criminality of Trump through the January 6th hearings, through what we've learned about Mar-a-Lago, through Fonnie Willis's very forward, um, you know, moving activity with the special grand jury and now a grand jury in Fulton County to, to bring charges related to Trump's election interference in Georgia has all inspired Alvin Bragg. And maybe I inspired him too, but I, I think that we we all had a role in this. So um, let's just halt the criticism for now and be grateful and support the work that the Manhattan DA is doing. And kudos to you, Ben, for being being the first to, to know it for so long. Well, well, you know, isn't Lights On all about, you know, this? I mean, the, the, the podcast shedding light on really this kind of underbelly of authoritarianism that basically stews in the darkness of a decaying democracy where on the one hand you have Fox, which injects disinformation every single day and then privately taunts its viewers and calls them idiots and makes these horrific comments about them, you know, that are just despicable and they are just spreading the lies for money. And then on the other hand, you've got the both sides-ism large media networks that try to normalize what the Republican Party has become. And I think the January 6th committee is such a watershed moment, the same way, Jessica, that these committees are that are taking place where the format is not a split screen where you've got two minutes of one side yelling at the other side and yell, 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 yell. All right, let's go to a commercial break. And the viewers left with the opinion that both sides are either crazy or have some validity and that there's both sides to the issue. And you don't really get to know the information, right? But the January 6th committee got to actually present information in an intelligible way and have an intellectual conversation with the American people where 95 to 96 percent of the witnesses were Republicans and Republicans who held top level positions within the Trump administration. Similarly, in these committee hearings that are taking place right now, you know, where the MAGA, the, the irony is that these are the hearings that the MAGA Republicans wanted, right? And what's so ironic about it is they got so cocky based on their Fox disinformation echo chamber that it existed, right? They thought they were going to march into these committee hearings and basically do what they do on Hannity and Tucker Carlson and, and that there wasn't going to be resistance to it. And the world would just be like, whoa, Hunter Biden. Wow. That they thought that was going to happen. But then they came into contact with intelligent people, pro-democracy that was spitting facts. And so while the MAGA Republicans Thank spread God. their conspiracy, it always came back to, well, here is what Donald Trump did. Here's what Donald Trump did. Actually asking the witnesses questions about, well, okay, is anything that they actually said true? And then the witnesses would have to ultimately admit, no, there's no data that supports it. It's all complete BS. And I, and, and I think everybody, to your point, Jessica, is going to look back at the January 6th committee, though, in particular, and say that moment right there sparked something beyond 
what even the committee was investigating. What it sparked was a sense of what things used to be like. And look, I don't want to over-romanticize our past, but we used to look at things like Nixon and go, yeah, that's bad behavior. We used to look at global pandemics and go, we should stop it. We should stop the pandemic. We used to look at terrorists and go, terrorists are bad, not praise domestic terrorists, right? And the January 6th committee, though, I think sparked a reawakening of the exhausted majority to basically say, yes, there is truth. There is facts. And I'm so honored to play, just even if what the Midas Touch Network plays, is a small part of amplifying the truth. I'm so privileged to to do that and so privileged to do that with you, Jessica. Yeah, Ben, thank you so much. I'm so privileged. I'm so honored. And by the way, I just want to, I'm just going to take a moment of privilege here and just tell you if you're listening and if you listened to me before, you've reached out to me, how much the Midas Touch family, and I, of course, include you in that, Ben, and and the brothers and everybody on the Midas Touch Network, the other hosts and panelists, you have made me feel like I'm so much part of the family and it has meant the world to me. You better believe that this has been a lonely fight. And as you mentioned earlier, I started it alone. So you guys have just, you have enshrouded me in love and support and it means the world. Um, couple of points that you you hit on there, Ben. Obviously, you know, you're talking about Fox News. I, I lived in that echo chamber. I lived in that vortex for mm-hmm. the previous administration, pre- Obama administration, previous to Trump, of course. And that is what really mesmerized me into believing that Democrats were dangerous, were evil, were going to take away our freedom. Um, just up is down lies about who was good for this country and who was good for freedom, good for the interests of America versus the autocrats of the world and communist dictator forces. It's completely up is down. There was a clip I think you guys put on your Instagram uh, page a few, maybe a week ago of Tucker Carlson. And you just, you used his exact words, but you edited in images of other people basically truthful images of who he was actually describing. He was probably talking about weakness. And so you put a picture of someone who's actually weak in the Republican Party and, you know, standing up to being truthful. And you gave an example of what, and it it just, it was such to me a lucid example of, and I think this is really important for people to understand when, when we think, how can people be so brainwashed by this, this propaganda? Why don't they just see the truth? It's so obvious. But they're they're using all of the right words. They're using really persuasive arguments. They're telling you that the ones standing up for freedom are evil and communist. And they're telling you that the dictators and the ones who want to, um, you know, be in Putin's pocket and take away our rights are patriots. Okay, they are just completely inverting the actual truth of what we are living with in this country. And that is why they deceive so many people. And it is it's so pernicious, Ben, because these are intellectual, intellectual, intellectually dishonest elites. They rail the Fox News of the world rail against the elites. But you look at Laura Ingram, Sean Hannity, uh, Tucker Carlson. These these are intellectual el- elites. Dishonest. <laughs> yep. They know what they're doing. They are just doing it for the grift. They're doing it for the, you know, 
millions or billions of dollars that Fox News is making and they don't care. It is it is completely soulless. And in the name of Christianity, so many of them wear crosses around their neck. I happen to be a Christian. I happen to read the Bible every day of my life. I'm so um, offended and and appalled and and I'm going to be doing as much as I, uh, you know, I'm going to be doing a fair amount of correcting this hypocrisy when it comes to Christianity because it is so anti-Christian, their behavior. Um, but you know what, Ben, let's, let's bring this, let's bring this back. I'm talking about Fox news and how it is really, it's really the Putin playbook that they are putting out on millions of American televisions in military installations, feeding force, feeding this propaganda to our veterans. Well, that brings us to our next story, which is out of out of the International Criminal Court in, in The Hague. They issued a warrant for Vladimir Putin um, and his children's rights commissioner, a woman by the name of Maria Alexeyevna Lvova Belova. Um, for overseeing the abduction of Ukrainian children to Russia, um, the unlawful transfer. This is really a, a heinous, heinous story. Um, they are, if you've probably been following this, they've, they've been exporting, uh, it's reported up to 6,000 or at least 6,000 Ukrainian children out of Russia into these, um, these Soviet style pioneer camps and really indoctrinating them. I mean, Ron DeSantis tries to gaslight um, people about what indoctrination is this is real indoctrination. This is indoctrinating these children, many of whom have actually witnessed their Ukrainian families being murdered and become orphans. They're then taken to Russia, put in these camps. Um, and so this, the International Criminal Court has, has indicted uh, Vladimir Putin or has issued a warrant for, for his arrest for these crimes against these children. And this is extremely significant. Um, Putin is one of uh, just a few, a handful of sitting heads, heads of state to have had a warrant issued by the ICC. One of the others was um, Muammar Gaddafi and Sudanese president who's currently imprisoned, Omar al-Bashir. So this is a very important step forward in in accountability, just in tandem. I mean, look at this timing, Ben. Vladimir Putin Warrants issued by the International Criminal Court, and we're preparing for the indictment of Donald Trump in the United States. Isn't, isn't it incredible? And who is investigating Donald Trump at the federal level? A former war tribunals prosecutor, special counsel Jack Smith, who worked at The Hague and prosecuted war criminals. Now, just like Alvin Bragg, if I say Merrick Garland <laughs> right now, I know the chat is going to turn against me. Um, but I will say this positive thing about Merrick Garland, though, that the selection of Jack Smith was absolutely brilliant. Brilliant. To get a former war tribunal prosecutor who prosecuted some of the most heinous war criminals, very similar to the type of charges that were filed here against Vladimir Putin, to be the individual to investigate Donald Trump, it already is in Donald Trump's head so much, right? I mean, Donald Trump is calling Jack Smith, who, by the way, hasn't even said one word publicly. 
right? <laughs> he hasn't said one word. We we joked on the Midas Touch podcast of I wonder what Jack Smith sounds like. And I, I I I hope he sounds a certain way, but 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 you know, we were joking about it. But Trump calls him mad dog psycho. And this man, this, this special counsel Jack Smith haunts Donald Trump every single night where Donald Trump's saying, why'd they stick the mad dog psycho special counsel Jack Smith on me? And I think it was done because one, first off, Jack Smith's an independent. He's worked in public integrity in section in the DOJ. He led the public integrity section of the Department of Justice. And because, though, his background in prosecuting war criminals informs how you need to go about investigating Donald Trump. That's what's so strange also with the turn, the directionally change of the of the Republican Party, right? It went from tear down the wall, Mr. Gorbachev, to Donald Trump's videos of like, we like Vladimir Putin. Trump was making Russian propaganda videos and posting them on his social media platform yesterday saying that this is what saying that we're the problem. It's not Russia. It's us. It's us. The biggest threat threat. is not Russia. We are the biggest problem and we need to destroy, he says, the Department of Defense and our intelligence services and the Republican Party supports that. I mean, Donald Trump wanted. And DeSantis to- is right behind him. DeSantis has, has minimized Putin's invasion of Ukraine to a territorial dispute. So this is the Re- Republican Party platform now is pro-Russia. It's not America first. It's Russia first, China first, Saudi Arabia first when they get a few billion dollars, but definitely not America first. You know, and it's and it's a cult, and it's it's interesting. You mentioned DeSantis there, and I don't want to totally maneuver away from Putin, although I think it's a good pivot to talk about the connections here. But DeSantis, every single day, is just getting attacked by Donald Trump, like just getting mocked endlessly. DeSantis is like tanking in the polls right now because he's afraid to call out. The cult leader, right? He's afraid to call out Donald Trump, and Donald Trump just continually berates him every day. But you have in DeSantis, I think he used to call himself DeSantis. He like changed his name in his 40s to DeSantis. He used to be DeSantis, and Trump also played that video on a social media platform. But they're all leaning into who can support Vladimir Putin. And that's the thing. That's what I'm so looking forward to. Lights on, though, is you making those connections. Vladimir Putin, Donald Trump, DeSantis or DeSantis, whatever he's calling himself. Did you see, by the way, that DeSantis or DeSantis, did you see this? Did you see the story on the Daily Beast, which says that pudding. He, he would eat pudding, pudding with his three <laughs> fingers and stuff, stuff his face with three fingers? But it's not normal, Jessica. It, it, it isn't normal. Like as part of lights on, we must refuse to be gas lit. And I think that is just so important. So you pointed out these connections on Vladimir Putin. I'm sorry, I, I, I swerved back to Trump, but I'll let you. I'll let you keep going. On Vladimir Putin. You know what? You, you it's it's fine because this is all connected, and this is really what I what I want to bring out on this show. This is these are not little isolated situations that we're dealing with. This is a global situation that is these these are all connected. This is all about freedom. This is all about people with 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 bad motives who are just interested in what's in it for themselves, harming others. 
when they are put in positions of power, people like Donald Trump, people like Vladimir Putin, people like Ron DeSantis. Ron DeSantis likes to say Florida is where woke goes to die, whatever that means. Apparently, they don't know. We learned that quite clearly this week. But let me tell you, Florida under DeSantis is where freedom goes to die. Florida is where freedom goes to die under DeSantis. And he is extremely dangerous. These people who, when I hear, um, you know, that that Ron DeSantis is a, you know, champion of, of culture wars, I like culture wars. Wow, that's a euphemism. This guy's a straight up fascist. He he wants to take away people's rights in no uncertain way in Florida. And that is what he would try to do in 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 the country as a presidential candidate. So um, this is all connected. We don't have to apologize for making <laughs> connections. That's exactly what I want to do. And but you you are picking up on a thread about DeSantis is afraid, and you know all of the Republican candidates, they're all afraid to take on Trump, right? Not a single one of them can come out and just denounce him altogether, denounce his behavior altogether. And you know what? I have I have a few theories on this. Number one is that they um, he exposes who they are. They got, I had I saw this Republican uh, commentator on TV the other day say, "Oh, we're this party is moving forward with um, you know in a positive direction. We're going to have the policies of Trump, but not the personality of Trump." I'm like, the policies of Trump. It's fascism. The policies of Trump is fascism. So in order to denounce Trump, um, not only do they not have the moral fiber or the courage or character, which is why they are all completely unqualified for leadership, but Trump, if if they go in that direction, they start really exposing their own cards. Um, and I really want to, you know, especially as we're, my God, getting closer to another presidential uh, election year and run. I have learned in my extraction from the Trump cult and in, you know, renouncing my my affiliation with the Republican Party, it has been an awakening, yes, to everything heinous and awful about Trump and how he so destroyed or tried to destroy this country and harm so many people, but also how he exposed the Republican Party. This is kind of who these people have been for a long time. You look at an issue like, uh, you know, the abortion issue or even what's being litigated in Texas right now on Mifepristone. This is a fight that these people have been taking on for 20 years, at least in the, in the I'm talking about the Texas case. This is not new. It's just coming to the surface now. Trump brought out all of these um, really, really under the fascist underbelly of the Republican Party is ex has been exposed by Trump. And the only way, the only way to have a healthy Republican Party or opposition, you know, this healthy two-party system, again, that we need in this country is for a mass of the Republican leadership to renounce and come clean. <laughs> I talked about Christianity, this concept of baptism. You don't move forward and get to, you know, benefit from, from being enlightened without coming clean, without reforming, repentance, changing your ways. And this Republican Party has no interest in that. And that's why, um, you know, I am now a proud independent who supports Democrats. And I can't see myself doing anything else anywhere in the near future because this Republican Party is dangerous and they have no interest in changing. You know, I often get accused of, and I think falsely, but I'll let people 
make their own judgments of, of are, are you just preaching to the choir? And are you just speaking to an echo chamber? The first thing I always say, though, sometimes you want your choir to sing louder. So, so it's not always a bad thing to talk to the choir. But I think what you just said is important. You, you are not a Democrat. You are an independent who votes Democrat because the Democrats right now are the party of decency, the party of compassion, the party of serious adults who are trying to actually solve problems. And if one day, and I feel the same way, if one day Biden starts tweeting out QAnon memes, once, if, if Biden did one QAnon meme, the great things that I think Biden has done for our country. One QAnon meme, and I'm out of, of supporting Biden. I'm sorry. I would be like, what a lapse in judgment, because you have to have values. You have to have standards for who's going to be leading the country. I mean, Donald Trump tweets a QAnon meme, a death cult meme that believes JFK Jr. is going to be Donald Trump's running mate, and Donald Trump's going to do mass executions in front of the Capitol building when the storm comes. They support this guy. He tweets out or he posts on his social media platform QAnon memes every single day. And I get asked, Ben, though, what are you doing to get out of the echo chamber? Well, one thing that I do is even though my views and values would line up with someone that's traditionally liberal or progressive, I don't think the bifurcation of liberal, progressive versus conservative is an appropriate framework anymore. We don't use that framework here on the Midas Touch Network. We call it pro-democracy because to me, the pro-democracy is the exhausted majority. It is progressives. It's liberals. It's people who are not affiliated with political parties. It's independents. And it's people who were who are disaffected conservatives, people who support our constitution, but believe there may be disagreements or about how you go about the process. Look, I long for the day where we could have civil disagreements about policy issues, but I need to establish that there are objective realities. And where a Republican party is now a cult, a MAGA Republican party that is led by people like Marjorie Taylor Greene and Lauren Boebert, and Donald Trump, and Paul Gosar, and Matt Gates, and Jim Jordan, and and James Comer. And by the way, I could list you pretty much everyone other than Mitt Romney at this point. And, and they're all like this. They're all like this. They're supporters of insurrectionists. They like support Vladimir Putin. They are pandemic deniers. They don't treat it seriously. I mean, how do you not treat a, a serious global pandemic seriously like it's a real thing that kills people when the stats are in front of you that it's that it's killing people? And so I refuse just to be gaslit. And so to me, it's about talking about these issues through pro-democracy and talking about values that we should all rally behind, right? Like decency, like compassion, like humanity, like truth, and like democracy and then making clear the contrast between Donald Trump and what these MAGA Republicans are doing and the alternative, people who love our country, love our country. That doesn't mean I don't that doesn't mean I think we're perfect. We could fix things. That's okay to admit that we're not perfect. That's part of wanting to improve and love the country. We love the country. We love the constitution, but we should perfect it. 
We should make it better. We should progress as a society. society. And so I disagree that I preach to an echo chamber wholeheartedly. And one of those reasons is because we're hosting this show together. It's on. And, so, <laughs> and so I want to talk to you though now about your, and you said it, your extraction from the cult of Donald Trump. And, and before doing that though, I want to show this video because when we brought you on the podcast at first, I had seen this video and let me just give people context of this video, this warning that you gave to the country, frankly, on February 22nd of 2019, just to put this in perspective for people. This was one week before Michael Cohen's congressional testimony in 2019. You didn't have, there's no book that you were selling, right? You were living under the threat of constant attacks by Donald Trump and that he was going to go after you financially for challenging the NDA. I just want to remind people of this appearance that you had um, on CNN. So let's play this clip. And then I want to hear from you about your journey, your extraction, how powerful the Fox propaganda was for you and what lessons people can learn from your story and what lessons you learned. Let's play this video clip though right now from February 22nd, 2019. Salty, roll the tape. These NDAs are extremely dangerous. I think that we are in a very dangerous time in our country and I think we need all hands on deck to, to um, confront the oppression and the lies that are coming out of who is supposed to be the leader of the free world on a daily basis. I think the supporters of this campaign should be among the most outraged that they've been taken for fools and used and um, their good will and good faith in this cause to, for American greatness and freedom. Um, these, these NDAs say that someone who signed them will have a lifetime of allegiance to everything related to Trump. That if they dare to do anything but praise and be a sycophant for this president, that they, their very livelihood will be threatened. This is, this is un-American. It's unconstitutional. I would say that the document is a ludicrous document, but my case is proof that they are being used in real ways to punish people with stories that the American people need to know now more than ever and before it's too late. So walk us through, Jessica, how you got from the point where you were in the Trump cult for a short period of time, but you were very early money. I want to give you credit because you were out. Once you saw it from the inner workings, you were like, what in the world is this? How'd they get you? What's the warning? And then how'd you uh, get extracted, if you will, and then become the Jessica we saw there and who we all see today? Yeah, that interview was um, was such um, such a culmination that day. I didn't sleep the night before. I had just gotten a short notice that I was going to be on on air, and I had I had just gotten my lawyers. Ben, I had just gotten my lawyers. I was fighting the Trump campaign for a year on my own without lawyers, and I had wanted to speak out more because when I when I sued the Trump campaign and initially, initial, right off the bat on Christmas Eve, was hit with a $1.5 million arbitration demand that they brought against me with this illegal NDA for having asserted my rights in state court, completely retaliatory and illegal. And I had lived 
under this, fighting this, fighting off their attempts to bring my case behind closed doors in state court. I did it successfully on my own. And I and I was doing this all for a year without being able to speak out to the media. That is the one kind of rule I gave myself. I'm not going to speak to the media, even though I really, really wanted to until I get lawyers. So that appearance was right when I had gotten my lawyers. And I was, I, I remember you know, just the words, I feel like God put the words in my mouth. I, I was, I was almost like an out of body experience, but I was living, I was living a version of political persecution in the Trump administration that I just did not feel like was being recognized properly, that people were not properly understanding the threat that Trump posed. I mean, I look back and there were so many opportunities, um, you know, we're just now getting to the point of criminal indictments. Donald Trump should have been removed from office in impeachment one. And I was just trying to be as powerful a voice as I could, that this was not even a man. This was not a man who was doing the what was in the best interest of even the people that supported him because they supported him based on lies. They supported him, at least my perspective and many people that I met. And you were talking about not preaching to an echo chamber and reaching out and and bringing other people under the under, um, you know, into this just understanding of truth and what pro-democracy really is. I met so many people that are in 2016 that was really kind of the reason that I went to work for that campaign in the first place that had diverse backgrounds like me, that weren't your stereotypical Trump supporter. And you, these people, you wouldn't, you know, stereotypically think of them as, you know, racist or sexist or bigots or whatever. They're people in the entertainment field that I worked with, a lot of, you know, people of color, you know, Puerto Ricans, Dominicans in New York, friends of mine that I would talk to that supported Trump. And that was, it, it was that broad spectrum of support from people who I knew had love for this country and appreciation for it, that when I realized how he had used all of these people, duped them with this lie that he was some non-politician, like I've said before, he's the most political person we've ever had in the office because he's manipulated the political system. He's used it to his own gain in the way that we hate the most. Well, this is He's the epitome of what we loathe about politicians, and yet he got away with claiming to be an outsider. And so once I started to wake up to these these realities, the truth that I had been so blinded to. Um, I, I just wanted so desperately for the country to take action. I wanted other people like me who had been duped to join in that fight. And that's, of course, part of the NDA fight, because, of course, I've been fighting for hundreds of other people, not just myself. I won my freedom in 2021, complete victory over this NDA. But I've been fighting for hundreds of others who were duped, some of them only volunteers, some of them weren't even paid by the Trump campaign, who were silenced for life, had to, like I said, pledge a lifetime of allegiance to Donald Trump. It's it's unthinkable. I remember when I did that interview, uh, Kim Jong-un was in the news a lot, and, and Donald Trump had, you probably remember that clip of him from the lawn of the White House where he said, when Kim Jong-un stands, his people stand at attention. I want my people to do that. Oh my God, this was a dictator in plain sight. Not enough people were saying it. And we needed to treat 
Donald Trump like the dictator in the American presidency that he was. Um, and so I, you know, to, to bring that full circle, to see that interview and be with you here today is really special to me because I've been, I've just wanted my, my story of urgency. You know, now I have a story of victory, victory through my legal journey. And, and it's because of persistence. It's because of not moving, not giving in to the Trump's legal war of attrition. That's what they do. It's a war of attrition where they just try to wear you out. And they they really thought they were going to wear me out so many times and I just didn't go away. Um, but, but to, um, you know, understand that, th- that we can wake our fellow Americans up. And I think the work that you have done through this Midas Touch network, and I know I've watched videos where you have shared stories that people have have shared with you of their family members waking up. We have to rebuke this false narrative also that people can't be extracted from a cult. You know, I remember so many times during the Trump administration, the media would play that clip of Trump saying, I can shoot somebody on Fifth Avenue and I wouldn't lose any support. And even left-leaning media would say, he's right. He's not going to lose it. And every time I would scream at the television, I'd say, no, he's losing support. Hello. (laughs) There's a lot of people like me. We woke up. We see the light. We have to acknowledge that awakening. It's, it's, it's a quality of humanity, of living, the ability to grow and wake up and understand that as as heinous as some of his supporters' beliefs are and as racist and bigoted and, you know, m- malicious in, in some cases, m- a lot of it is ignorance. A lot of these people themselves have been victimized. And if we can just not I don't I'm not suggesting sympathy. I think sympathy and empathy are very different um, attitudes. But if we can have a, an attitude of empathy and just understanding for the the kind of world of, of mesmeric gaslit uh, propaganda that they live in, um, then I think we will we will faster get ourselves out of this dilemma. And we are we are we are we are waking up and um these, I think these, these indictments that are coming are a result of these prosecutors understanding that the country is primed for this. The country is ready for this and is seeing the truth. Well, there's a reason also why one of the first things authoritarian regimes attack, and we see it with DeSantis and the Republicans, is education. Yeah. Get rid of education, try to keep people ignorant, and try to hide the truth. So if you destroy education and then you build propaganda channels and networks and you spread false information, you can scare people. And here's one other point I want to make, and I think you embody this. We talk a lot about these people, these bigger than life personalities sometimes, like a Jack Smith or a Merrick Garland or an Alvin Bragg or a Letitia James or a Fawny Willis. And sometimes we're disappointed when one of those people do not ultimately do what we hope that they're going to do. You know, and we, and we, we hope that a hero is going to emerge. And our theory here at the Midas Touch Network, though, is you can never wait for that hero to emerge because we're the heroes. In the mirror, exactly, <laughs> see, that's because you watch the Midas Touch Network. You know, <laughs> you, you, you know my stick because it's, it's just the truth, though, is that anybody watching this has the ability and has the potential to really be the difference that saves our democracy. You're the hero that you've been waiting for. And and Jessica, I think you embody this 
so perfectly because, as you mentioned before, Donald Trump sued you for $1.5 million for speaking the truth. You didn't have an army of lawyers. You didn't have a lawyer. In fact, <laughs> early at the show, you corrected my legal terminology. You're probably a better lawyer than me now having gone through um, this, this process. But you stood up against an army of lawyers all by yourself. You then put together a legal team and ultimately you successfully defeated Trump. You defeated his 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 legal team. You, you defeated all of those threats. And so I guess to close out this show, what would you tell others, though, right now about finding their power, about finding their courage the way you did? I think one really important thing is that I came to a point of moral clarity. Um, <laughs> one of my favorite, favorite singers, Lauren Hill, she says, how are you going to win when you ain't right within? Well, I got right within. And that, that day that I went out and got, I was stepped out of my car in New York City on a fall night, November 2017, to get that complaint that I had written up myself notarized. I got back in the car and there was a song on the radio, uh, Standing Outside the Fire, another great song, Garth Brooks song, about you know doing things that are, that are hard and the world thinks are, are unwise and foolish. And it was like, in that moment, even though I had all of this ahead of me, all of these, this, this oppression to battle during the Trump administration, all of these, this very uh, scary, um, you know, legal road ahead, and losses before victories. In that moment, that night in that car, I felt like I had already won. I felt like I had already won. And the reason is because I had decided, I had realized what the truth was, and I had put myself on that side. It was the power of truth. My understanding of truth is God, the power of principle, God, truth that I was standing with. And that can't be defeated. So what I would say is if you are in this movement to protect our freedom, to protect our democracy, and you understand the threats, you know, take pleasure in that. That is a very strong platform and position to be in and realize the authority that you have being in that position and then go stand on your mountaintop. You know, that's why I started this, this podcast, because there's just no time to waste. You know, we have to use our voices. We have to get better at telling our stories. And I realize I've, I've realized very much that I have to do that with my own. I'm, of course, I'm writing, I'm, I'm putting so much more out there, but there's just no time to waste. We are facing these attacks on our freedom around the world. I mentioned earlier Vladimir Karamurza. He happens to be a very brave Russian opposition uh, politician who was very outspoken during um, the beginning of Russia's invasion into Ukraine. And this week, um, his closed door trial, completely sham trial began. And, um, you know, you're going to hear a lot about Donald Trump claiming to be a political, a victim of a political witch hunt. But here's a man who is a real hero who said, I'm a Russian. The Russian people do not support Vladimir Putin. I'm going to be a leader in that respect. And, and I'm going to return to Russia knowing that my liberty will probably be taken from me, which it was. They initially charged him with a minor crime. And then, of course, trumped up his charges with, with high treason. 
um, and he faces over 20 years in prison for it. You know, look at look at people like him who have put their lives and liberty on the line to take on who who is considered, you know, the one of the greatest pariahs in the world right now for truth, for justice. And, you know, just be grateful <laughs> for the freedom that we have still in this country. This is supposed to be the city set on a hill. And it's it's our opportunity. We're the ones. We're the ones that the history books are going to be written about. It's our opportunity to preserve what America is to the rest of the world. And it's everything. Freedom is everything. And if we're on that side, we have great power. We just have to walk in those footsteps. All right. So as the host of your own Midas Touch Network podcast, you know, you got to take us out with a shout out to the Midas Mighty. So Jessica Denson, the host of Lights on the new podcast on the Midas Touch Network. Take us out. Thank you so much for joining us on the first episode of Lights on. Shout out to the Midas Mighty.